I don't want to share someone else's thoughts. I want to create my own original thoughts. I want to create my own original solutions. I want to look at situations and come up with my own phrasing, my own words, and do it my way. This is the John Taffer Podcast. Shut it down. Hello. Hello, I'm John Taffer. Thank you for listening. This is the John Taffer Podcast. I got some big news for you at the end of the podcast that I'm going to give, but this is a special podcast for me because I have a dear friend who I just love this guy. So Damon John's going to be joining us in a little while. And we're going to be talking about, you know, this new business environment and entrepreneurship and, you know, New Year's resolutions. And we're going to pick up the theme from, from Dr. Ian from last week. But if there's anybody knows how to be nimble in business, how to get involved in numerous things, how to react to the marketplace, which is changing around us, it's Damon. And if you haven't listened to it, Damon John was on my podcast, well, I guess it was about a year ago, Corey. It was, yeah. And we talked a lot about his beginnings and his entrepreneurial spirit and, and a lot of uh, powerful uh, uh, elements and, and points came out of that interview. Go back into our archive and listen to that if you liked the interview with Damon today. But I got to tell you, it's post-inauguration. It is. The executive orders are flying. And, you know, it's, it's, it saddens me a little. And I'll tell you why it saddens me. Why's that? You know, a president puts in a bunch of executive orders. Four years later, another president comes in, puts in the opposite executive orders. Four years later, another president comes in, puts the exact opposite executive orders. That isn't how America was supposed to be. America is not supposed to bounce back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So we have a policy now, Corey. You're allowed to get your hair cut for four years. Next president comes in, you're not allowed to get your hair cut for four So it gets a little ridiculous. And the federal government was set up to sort of slow things down a little. So the House would act pretty quickly and vote things. The Senate, because of its even-handedness and only two senators per state, so one state doesn't have more senators than another, because of that inherent balance, the Senate would slow things down and then implement laws that were long-term. So if I'm a businessman, how do I invest my life on an executive order, knowing that it might change? It's not a law. It could change at any point. So what if a president gets, dies? A year into it, and the next president now changes that executive order. My investment is shot, right? All the plans that I made are shot. Yeah. So, so, you know, I'm just not in favor of it on either side. You know, I think that there's processes that we should go through as a nation so that decisions are made in a non-emotional, logical, collective way. That's a democracy. And when people come in at the swoop of a pen can massively change the policies of our country that's inconsistent with what america is and it was like the next day and it was literally the next day and that's more like a king than a president and i'm not picking on joe biden i'm just because mm -hmm. trump did the same thing right i'm just fighting at this whole premise of executive orders and it's taking the american process out of the picture and personally you know when big policy changes like that happen i'd like a say in them as a citizen and, you know, in this particular election, a lot of these things weren't put out there. There wasn't a lot of discussions on these topics. A debate was canceled. So, so I'm not quite sure what our president was going to do. A lot of us aren't quite sure. There was no real platforms put out there. There were no huge lists that if I'm elected, I'm going to do this, 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 this. We never had any of that kind of stuff this year. So when somebody comes in without forecasting these types of things and does them, it worries me because I'm worried that it's bypassing the process that might be protecting us all. So that's my concern. However, 
There's something great about an inauguration, and that's a cleansing new day. And I can remember when Obama was uh, uh, inaugurated, there was like an excitement that this newness and this freshness, whether you voted for him or not. And I think that this is an opportunity for change, and I'm hoping this all works out to all of our advantages, not one side or another, but I really hope that, that um, we get balance because that's really what we need. So 400,000 people have died now from COVID. Yeah. But something interesting happened two days ago. It started to turn. Oh, did it? And the growth number, now it could go back. It's only a two-day trend, but it did turn to it's starting to go down now. So that's good news. And as the vaccinations get more and more and more, uh, uh, then obviously we have a chance of bringing it down. But that turn is really important to us. And I think we're going through it right now. I know that about 49,000 people were vaccinated in Nevada yesterday. Wow. So when I think about the fact that there's uh, 650,000 residents in the a, in a city of Las Vegas, and think about your own cities in these ways. So at 50,000 people a day, if there's 650,000 in my city, then in essence, 13 days, 14 days, the entire city should be vaccinated. Yeah. That's pretty encouraging. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure it's happening, because here's what I read. About 60% of people don't want to get the vaccine. Now, I'm a little puzzled by that. I'm willing to get the vaccine. I sit on a board of a hospital. I understand the type of vaccine that it is, and maybe I have a little more information than a lot of other people do. I get that. But millions of people have taken this vaccine. Israel, for example, has vaccinated the whole country already. Oh, wow. They've done it all. So think of the tens of millions of people around the world that are being vaccinated. Think of how they're being watched. <laughs> reactions there's websites where you go and list if you have any kind of side reaction or anything so you know i i ask people to reconsider you got to make the decision that's best for you but before you say to yourself i am going to take this vaccine or i am not going to take this vaccine you owe it to yourself to find out a few things a what type of vaccine is it well it happens to be an rms messenger vaccine uh, what does that mean Am I putting the virus in my body? No, you're not. It's mimicked, and it leaves no residue in the body. So you need to know that before you make a personal decision. What are the side effects that could happen? In your age group, with somebody who has your type of physical conditions, whatever that might be, if you say no to something that you know nothing about, I suggest that you're an idiot. Sorry, I do. If you say no to something that you've learned about, right or wrong, you're not an idiot because you took the time to know. This is your life. This is our society. These are our businesses. You owe it to yourself, and we owe it to each other to do your homework and learn before you say yes or no. I did, and I chose yes. So I ask you, do your homework and make the decision that's best for you. And, and you know, I would uh, uh, implore many of you to go at your evaluation in a positive way. Not why should I take the vaccine? Why shouldn't I take it? And if you see why you shouldn't take it, you're going to find that there's not a lot of reasons to support not taking it. So there we go. Uh, I'm personally excited about it and look forward to it and, and think that over the next few months, we're going to start to see a turn. You know, other good news is Biden announced a $1.9 trillion plan for COVID and the new PPP plan, which is getting money to businesses right away. If you do own a small business and you haven't filed for a PPP opportunity, 
do it right now. They're taking applications literally right now. And if you get your application in, you literally will have money in days. That's how quick it is. So please take advantage of this if you're not. You know, this is a very difficult time as the COVID numbers are going up. We're going through all this political change. Some of you are so scared about your future. You've made resolutions. I'm going to change my career. I'm going to change this. I'm going to do that. And we talked about the power or the weakness of New Year's resolutions last week with Ian, Dr. Ian. You know, Damon John, to me, is not only iconic, but is an amazing educator. He educates every day. All you have to do is follow his website, and you'll see he's educating you. He's teaching you how to do marketing plans, media plans, social media plans, etc. When he was on his podcast last time, we talked about his humble beginnings. You know, Damon saw that these uh, hip-hop hats were very successful, and he started making them in his mother's basement. Now, imagine this guy. You know, he's a black, hip guy living in New York, and he's got a, a needle and thread, and Literally. he's sewing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not the hippest envision in the world, but he had an angle. Well, after a few months of selling these hats that he saw, everybody was there was selling them for $25. He could make them for $2. He started making them. Then he took his mother's guest room, more sewing machines. They eventually threw her out of the house, got her another place to live, and the entire house became FUBU. And I don't have to tell you all the power of FUBU. Well, Damon went on and on and on and grew his businesses and went on Shark Tank. And last time he was here, he had invested in 87 businesses through Shark Tank. All types of businesses. So he knows who's gotten killed during COVID, who's doing well. He's seen what businesses have shifted their plans and he's seen the great ideas and the things that are happening out there. He's seen employees who lose their jobs moving into other career directions and he's figured out how to squeeze the good out of this and turn it into opportunity. How to extract opportunity from this situation. Now, if I was in a mask business, this would have been a hell of a year for me. (laughs) So to suggest that there isn't opportunity now is completely foolish. Of course there's opportunity now. I gave the keynote speech earlier this week, Corey, you did it with me, to Jacuzzi. Yes. Which is the greatest hot tub uh, company in the world, spot company in the world. So I had all their dealers and 800, 900 people on a thing and we're talking about Jacuzzi. You know what they told me? What's that? You can't get one till October or November. Oh, that's right. That's how backed up they are. And if you call any other hot tub company, you're going to be told exactly the same thing. Boomtown in a hot tub business. Boomtown in a home office business. Boomtown for Zoom. Boomtown for all these other video conferencing. Boomtown for PPE. Boomtown for home office supplies. There is so much going on right now as an opportunity from COVID. It's really, really powerful. And how do we seize it? That's why I wanted to have Damon John on the program. So when I come back, we're going to talk with Damon about the shifts and the things that he's doing to seek out opportunity in COVID as far as employment as well as business opportunities. And you're going to want to hear this. I'll be right back. Don't shut down this podcast. John Taffer will be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Goldman Sachs. What do Goldman Sachs experts and leading thinkers have to say about trends shaping markets, industries, and the global economy? Stay informed with the latest insights from Goldman Sachs on the economic and market implications of COVID-19. Available on our podcasts at gs.com COVID-19 or any of your favorite podcast platforms. I want to welcome my friend, Damon John. How are you, my friend? 
I am blessed. I'm well. I'm healthy. And I hope you and your family are as well. We are, buddy. In, in difficult times, that, that's a great accomplishment to just say that we're healthy and doing great. I wanted to have you on so much this week, and, and I appreciate you being here. We've been talking about New Year's resolutions and, you know, the hell that we all went through last year. And last week, we had Dr. Ian on from uh, the doctors who was talking about, he's, he's an expert in change and, and a Harvard graduate and has written 11 books on it. was talking about how New Year's resolutions really suck and that we need to say to ourselves, I'm going to change something over the course of the year and mean it rather than not. So we've been talking a lot about New Year's resolutions and such, and I wanted to talk to you about business, buddy. Last time you were on, we talked about the fact that I'm guessing the number is up now, that you've invested in about 87 companies as a result of yeah. Shark Tank. I'm guessing the number is probably a little higher now, but that was the number we had sure. back then. Yep. A lot of my listeners own businesses or starting businesses. They're entrepreneurial, and they look at your life, Damon, and to them, you're such a powerful example of what you've done from your mother's basement. And I remember last time you were on, we talked about how there was sewing machines and room after room after room, and you took over the whole house. And, you know, that's an amazing story. But that's a dream to so many people that you've lived. I wanted to have an opportunity to talk to you about business this week. You've watched yeah. all the companies that you own and touch. Some of them have gotten killed the past year. Some of them have been more nimble have changed, have adapted, and I'm guessing have done pretty good this year. And you've watched so much of this business massaging and changing and people changing strategies and stuff this year. And I had a chance to look at your online marketing template that you're offering to people, which is unbelievable, Damon, and the things that you've been putting out there to help people. I was hoping you could share a story with us of one or two of the companies that you've worked with who have just changed strategy, have really reacted well to this and have been able to take this moment and turn it into something meaningful. Any come to mind, big sure. ones? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, you know, one of my, uh, well, you know, I was consulting a company. I can, I can give you other companies in, but I think that this one is probably the, the, one of the best ones that would um, uh, people can take away. Um, and it was, it was a, a gym owner. Um, and right when it hit, you know, he had about 2000 members, uh, memberships and, um, he was, uh, suffering. He was fluttering and the doors were, you know, could not be opened. And, uh, this was in Miami, um, before Miami became what it is today, where everybody, they don't even know about the word COVID. They're not sure right. what that is. Um, and, uh, you know, he was stressing and, and I, and, and I said, well, what are you stressing for? What is the exact cause or what are you trying to accomplish? And he said, well, if I can't get members in my gym uh, to, then they're going to drop their memberships. Um, and I said, true. Are you selling memberships or are you selling a healthy way of living, a healthy lifestyle? And, and you know, the bell went off in, in his head and he realized I'm selling a healthy lifestyle. So what we, we did was we, um, we realized that the depreciating asset that other people had was the fact that they have uh, clothing stores and various other places and they can't move their inventory. And these are these are either perishables or either sto stores that sell things that are seasonable. Mm -hmm. So uh, we went around to uh, all the stores in the neighborhood and areas and online, but generally in the neighborhood, these are people that weren't able to convert and understand social media conversion. And he had them, uh, you know, he took their inventory and marketed to his, uh, his uh, members at 25% off. Now this helped move the inventory from the stores, the Lululemon type of products. Um, and it gave the members 25% off and he would take 10%. So it's a total of 35% reduction for the owner, but yet they get to move out all their goods. Yep. 
Um, he then took his equipment and sent it over to whatever members would like the equipment. And that was part of their uh, membership fee, a free rental. And then he went and replicated the same exact thing that he did with the the store. He did that with fresh juices. He did that with other things. And then because people are now starting to understand Zoom and Peloton, he uh, hands he, he does classes in his store, in his gym with just him and his trainers, as well as cooking classes. So he elaborated and built on the healthy lifestyle. Um, and now his membership uh, is up to 3000 people instead of 2000 uh, and everybody wins. Uh, so that's really understanding the core of what you're selling. I mean, you know, you can you can get, a, you know, as you know, you can go to any bar, you can buy socks and T-shirt, you can buy anything from anybody. But what are you really selling and what is your unique selling proposition? You know, that's interesting. And, and, and I, I gave a keynote to a big hot tub manufacturing company last week. And the whole premise of the keynote and discussion is sell what they want to buy. Sell the benefit, not the feature. And, and really, yeah. that's what you're saying. You sold the benefit, which is a healthy lifestyle. Damon, that's an incredible story. So think about all the restaurants around the country that have lists, right? Their VIP lists, their frequency clubs, right? Their membership programs and all of that. All the businesses that have lists. And what could you sell to that list? And what partners can you create? And how can you move other merchandise and keep your connection with your customers? Because this gym wasn't only moving merchandise, he was communicating with his members, he was creating value day to day and, and engagement day to day. That's really powerful. I mean, that's the reality, right? Um, you know, you already have a trusted person who believes in you for some reason or another. I mean, there's only three ways to deal with a customer. You either acquire a new one, you upsell a current one, or you make one buy more frequently. And the easiest way to do it is upselling a current one. You want to supersize everybody's fries. Uh, and sometimes people overthink these things. You know, my buddy Ryan Dice, I think you may know Ryan, who's a yeah. great, amazing marketer, and he has digital marketers. He, he loves to say, listen, you think there's anything different than uh, a lawn mowing service? Well, if you position your lawn mowing service as, hey, we give you back your Saturdays. You're not out there sweating and busting your balls and, and, and grass all over the place. You know what? You're out there with your kids. We give you back your Saturdays. Or maybe the part of giving you back your Saturdays is we're going to mow those lawns during the week so you don't even have to see the machines out That's there on Saturdays. Whatever the case is, there's always a way to position it. I was only selling shirts. I didn't put three sleeves on the damn shirt. The shirt didn't wake up and make you breakfast. It's a shirt. So you have to sell community. You have to sell a true unique selling proposition. And you have to over deliver because people are already invested in you once they dig in their pockets or pocketbooks and they give you their money. Do you think you just said something really powerful to me and and do you think because when you came up in business and started making your hats in your mom's basement that because you were selling it to a community right it was a hip-hop community that you developed this community focus and communicating with the community and developing a brand with the community because i think when you market a lot today you still think in that sense which I think is a lot of your success, is that you think of your customers as sort of a community, if you will. And you just mentioned it then. Do you think that way? I, you know what? I, I, that's always the burning question of the chicken or the egg. It's kind of like, is Jimmy Buffett, was he a parrot head way before he was Jimmy Buffett, right? <laughs> um, and, 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 and how can he have one, two songs, whatever the case is, and go for so long? I think he was him before he was obviously Jimmy Buffett. And I was part of a community that was, but, but as I was part of this community, I was without, before being the FUBU guy, yeah. 
I had my face pressed against the window to get into the community more because I was not a rapper, but I was a fan. I, I wasn't a dancer. So I was, how do I get in this community? And once that door cracked open and I was on that side, I remember and I, I can envision all the other faces smashed against the window trying to come get into in. the community. So I'm sitting there pulling them in as much as I can. Wow. And that's how you develop a marketing universe. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And, and, and so what time do you get up in the morning? Um, it depends. Uh, I can get up as I, I, I average out around nine only because I go to bed probably around two. That's funny because I'm about the same as you. So you like night times. You like to work at night and stuff. Yeah, I'm not a morning person. I'm just I just I, I, I listen. I, you know, I, I wish I could. I, I envy the people that, uh, you know, half the day is done by 11 and I'm up there, you know, just getting going <laughs> like I'm doing something. But. But, you know, when they're sleeping, I'm also, you know, so, going hard, you know? So it's not unusual to get an email from you at one in the morning. No, not unusual at all. You won't get a text from me. If you work for me, you will not get a text from me anytime past that or the weekend because I believe that I'm yep. entering your personal space. But if you get an email, I believe you went to the email knowing that you could potentially be opening a work email and your your mind is set for that at that time. I'm exactly the same way. I don't like to text them either. I, I think there's a real separation. Email, when they open it, yep. they've got the mindset they should go to work. So, so uh what keeps you going? You had so many companies, buddy. You've had such amazing success. When I think of this story and, and the impact you had on your family, and I think about your mom watching your success and watching you starting this, uh, you know, of all things, you know, this hip guy with sewing, <laughs> sewing hats and so, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think of the, the pleasure that your mom got. And I think of you looking back over all of this and, and what is your proudest moment, Damon? Do you have one? Is there one that really so sticks many. out in your so mind? Many. Um, yeah, when my when my mother when my mother got to meet um, President Barack Obama and um, he hugged her and and spent some time with her because um, when I was a little boy, um, my mother had said to me, you know, one day you're going to see a man of color. You can do anything you want. You're going to see a person of color. She said, "Be the president." She said, "Hopefully in our lifetime you will see that." Um, and, and she did, I never thought I would see that. And she got, she got to hug and hang out with, uh, you know, obviously at that time, the most powerful man in the world yeah, that's of a, color. That's a pretty yeah. amazing moment. You know, of all the ones that I have, <clears throat> when bar rescue hit on national television, my, my mom was in an assisted living facility and I'll never forget. She got to watch the premiere of my TV show, Damon. And that was like a huge, and it was one of the greatest moments of my life. And I'll never forget. She called me right after the television show seconds later. She said, son, I said, what'd you think, mom? She goes, your bald spot was terrible. That was the first thing that she said to me. <laughs> but still my proudest moment ever. Absolutely. That, well, is, that is a blessing. You know, anybody who follows you on social media, and if you don't, you should follow Damon, you'll notice that there's this constant desire to help other people, whether it's marketing templates, whether it's your media plans that you share. And you have this constant desire to help people. And sure, you make money when you help some. You don't make money when you help others because you have no involvement in your business. What yeah. drives you every day? Is it the success of, of, of recognition, respect, accomplishment? Is it the feeling that you're helping someone? Because something's driving you, buddy. And it's not money anymore because you're covered in that arena. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that it is... 
life takes you in very, very a, a strange path. And as I reflect, I, I did share with people in the past. I said, my friend said to me, you've always been about helping people. And I, I never thought of that, be very honest. Um, and I always wanted to be part of a community because I was an only child. So I was I was the kind of the kid who would bring kids home from school. And my mother would say, um, does this kid live here now? And I'm like, why? And she's like, he's been here for two months in the <laughs> attic. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know. I guess so. Um, and um, but somebody said to me, you know, you didn't have to name it FUBU. You could have named it Damon John. Um, you know, your books didn't have to be called, uh, you know, The Power Broke or uh, the Display of Power, how you can do it or you're the brand within. And then, you know, you're on sh on on shows and you are investing in others and you keep speaking about it. And I said, well, maybe I guess I am somewhat of a servant of people because I think that um, without somebody with formal education, um, I am I am here because of series of mentors and I and I and I just think it's also damaging as I see everybody out there who just shows their sizzle reel and not their blooper reel and I think that it is damaging uh, very impressionable minds and and people who need help because somebody else is selling them snake oil or just selling them a, a, a image so um, you know I slowly come around to I guess realizing that yeah I do care and that is some of the greatest moments of my life when you see people who were either marginalized or they feel because they're whether a female, a veteran, a LGBTQ, somebody who just didn't have an education. I don't care what color they are. Yep. When they say, yep. you you know, my family and I, we watch you. My my little, my children love you. And I don't care what color they are. When I, when I stand on that stage, I love to say that if my dumb ass can make it, <laughs> oh my God, you know, you don't, the sky's the limit for you. You know, so uh, that, that's how I feel. Yeah, I feel the same way. You know, it's interesting when we look, and this is not a political show, so I'm not going into politics, but you know, I was I, I was thinking about the divisiveness that we have now and how people aren't talking with each other and communicating with each other in ways that we could. And you know, I, I, I look at now with an inauguration and this new whole new positive energy and, and whether you vote for, for a particular person or not, this is the time to cleanse, this is the time to root for them, this is the time to come together and say, you know, this is a new beginning, this is a new opportunity. Does this divisiveness today bother you? You know, and again, not getting into politics when they voted the last president in, I, I, I felt that um, I'm an American and my fellow Americans voted this person in and I can either understand why or why not. But the reality is the person is here and I'm going to give this person a shot um, and I'm going to do the same with Joe. Um, however, you know, it's hard because the last person we in uh, had touched on uh, a lot of nerve points sure and did. being that it was. You know, you could look at people and say they're wrong, but this is the most powerful man in the world that we all vote or a majority voted for. And why shouldn't we? What, you know, so I, I'm sure you have to have common sense. Um, but he did show a very ugly side of this world. I mean, you didn't people just didn't become uh, racist or misogynistic or whatever the case is overnight. That was already something there. And he allowed them to express how they felt. However, you can look at various different through various different lenses. When you see the the Black Lives Matter, you see corporations pulling their sponsorship from people and or companies due to various things. You look and say, well, everything that we have seen out in the world that have been um, when people were marginalized, it was people of all colors got together to uh, to fight that injustice, whether it be That's apartheid, right. whether it be Darfur, whether it be uh, you know civil war and civil rights. So I look at the I look at the fact of seeing these beautiful people get together and say that we have more in common than we have apart. Yeah. Um, 
and it's just a learning process. Uh, but you know, I, I tell you, you know, it's kind of like when you were when you when you wake up sober, you never realized how tired you were the day before, right? And that's how <laughs> it feels at this moment. But so you know, to to make it to, listen. End of the day, I got to tell you something. Somebody asked me about being African-American and, and everybody thinks the BLM and African-Americans are mad and or this and that upset. Um, as an African-American, I think we are the most optimistic people in the world. I think that um, we see uh, heavy incarceration and marginalization, but we still show up every day to work on the front lines. I see that we'll overturn, uh, we'll, we will vote and overturn how, uh, you know, the government is perceived in Georgia, even though uh, our community is the one that the vote is not listened to after uh, for, for many, many years. Um, we will see we will see violence happen in the streets and many of our our fellow African-Americans uh, get get murdered in the street. But yet I, I weep like a baby when I saw that Capitol officer being killed. Right. He was a cop and he was white and it didn't matter. He was a father. He was a husband. He was a son. And um, it was really, really upsetting. Yeah, I agree so, with you. I, you know, we're very optimistic people. And uh, I just hope that this this I hope the world uh, I hope that we go to a really great place or at least back to some level of normalcy. And if not, we're going to do it again with the next yeah. person who comes in office. We're going to keep trying. Yeah. Um, but I, we have more in common than we have apart. Oh, I completely agree. I, I, that was an unbelievable way to look at this. And, and that optimism is unbelievable. When, when you get knocked back a step and you make it two more forward and you get back, knocked back one and you make two steps forward. I never quite looked at it that way, Dan, and I'm glad you presented that. You know what worries me a little bit? And we use the word cancel culture a little bit. And I worry that businesses are being influenced by politics too much and that the, the, the politics has moved too much into the business place. And, you know, I remember when I was a kid, and I'm a little older than you, when I was a kid, you know, we welcomed opposing opinions. We welcomed, I remember when Abby Hoffman had everybody in the east side of New York flush their toilet at exactly the same moment, and it was a drought on the Lower East Side for three hours. <laughs> but, I never heard of that, but but, but but then he toured college campuses, and his opposing radical views were welcomed. You know, today we have this sort of cancel thing, and it's almost like if I stand up for a political view, no matter what it is, Damon, somebody's going to cancel me on one side or another. Of course, of and, course, absolutely. And I look back at McCarthyism, and I look back at what cancel is, and it's really blacklisting, right? And yeah. it's, it's, it's blacklisting a business from being successful. That's very un-American. And I just worry that politics should have the discourse. We should have the vibrant discussions and all of that. But businesses should be able to provide commerce and serve people, whether their political views are one way or another or whatever. So I get a little concerned that, that it's going uh, uh, um, too much in this cancel culture direction. And I worry about ma and pa businesses that are being pulled into the politics of this whole thing. I, I wonder if, if that concerns you at all. It only, you know, it concerned me in a certain way only because, um, you know, if you are out there to, and, and I totally agree with you. I mean, what makes this country great is the fact that you're not penalized for getting up in school and saying, why, right. how come, yeah. you know, in other countries you go to jail, you know? Um, so I, this is what makes this country the, the greatest country on the planet. Um, but, you know, again, you know, I, I believe personally that you should not be putting politics in business unless businesses, you know, politics is your business. Um, but yeah, you're going to want to support people that you feel you identify with. Um, and so that, that, that is kind of odd. And I was, uh, I was on a, I was on a, a clubhouse, uh, or, or, or a conversation the other day and they said, is it wrong for white, uh, owned stores to put up 
would it be wrong if they put white owned? Now, I had to question myself about that because being proud to be white, is, should you should be proud to be white. You should be proud to be whoever you we are. We are, of course. Right? Um, but, you know, you'll walk in the stores and you'll see Italian flags and you'll see African and, you know, and but when you look at black owned, because it was saying, it was saying, how come they don't get in trouble when they're black owned, but they're white owned? However, even as, a, again, being an optimistic person of color, black Wall Street didn't happen to white people you know, in Oklahoma. Um, and when you put up black owned often, we got hung. Um, so it's optimistic and it's scary. Today when, it's if I was dropping today, it can yeah, be a statement of pride. Course, right. Yep. And, and, and also you think that because a lot of commerce happens to not be owned by blacks, that no matter what a person who may be white, may be profiting in some way, whether yep. it's the merchandise, yep. the real estate, whatever the case is. So you, you assume, and you shouldn't assume, that they're making profit. Now, a couple of years ago, I mean, you know, if we were, you know, in, in certain towns, you drive, you, if, if I'm a person of color and I'm going down a, a lonely highway and I pull into a bar and there's a big ass white owned on there, I may be, I may feel like I'm, I'm in danger. I get it. I don't know if you feel that way you walk into a black owned store that says black owned, you know? So again, it all depends on the positioning of the politics and or the positioning of who you're trying to appeal to. And I mean, I guess that's that's the great thing about this country. We can have that debate on if it's right, wrong or indifferent. And we can agree to either disagree or agree that do whatever you want to do. You opened up a business to be able to be who the hell you are. Now, go do it. Now, go yeah. do it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. My new book that I'm working on is called The, uh, the Power of Conflict. And it talks about how we as a society are scared of conflict today. So we allow views that maybe are held by very few to really bubble to the top because so many people are quiet. And the premise of the book is that conflict is a one word, but what if we turn the word conflict into engagement? Ah, that isn't such a bad word now. And what if we cause more engagement and more dialogue? You know, I, I read somewhere in a political science book that the way to kill the extremes on either side is when the middle talks. And when the middle doesn't talk, the extremes get greatly empowered. So I'm hoping this is a year of more talking with all the changes going on. And I, I think love- it is. And I think I think we're going to create. And you know what happens also on top of that? We get innovation. Yeah. And there's a lot of innovation. When you get engagement, you get innovation. You sure do. And you get new thoughts. And that's how we grow as human beings is by hearing these new ideas and these new thoughts. All right, buddy. So COVID is starting at least today. Two days ago, we turned a little corner. I think the numbers started to go down. But I'm scheduled for a vaccine next week based upon the health, you know, stuff that I'm pretty excited about it. So I almost think that COVID has a, a definite ending for me right now, that in mm. a month I will be vaccinated and I'll be able to leave my house and go out again. And, and I feel the exact same way. I'm getting vaccinated next month, too. I mean, I, next week. Yeah, I feel like the shackles being removed from my ankles. Tell you the truth, Damon, you know, to be able to yes. go back out there. I haven't hugged anybody in a year, for Christ's sakes, you know, shaking a hand, looked in people's eyes, et cetera. So here's what I think is going to happen. And I'd love you to disagree with me or agree with me. Restaurant industry is going to lose about 38 percent of its capacity across the country, give or take. That's unfortunate. Independent bars are going to lose in some markets up to 60% of their capacity based upon who's shut down longest, et cetera. I'm looking at your Yankee hat. Obviously, New York has been devastated more than a lot of other places because of the regulations. So I look now at April, May. 
Now, my friends that run the casinos here in Las Vegas, they believe that they're going to see a notch in April, that there's going to start to tick up in April. We're going to start to see some visitorship, et cetera. I look at May, June and say, wow, I know when I get a vaccine, the next thing I'm doing is going to dinner. <laughs> and I'm guessing a lot of people feel that way. <laughs> I see your smile. I'm guessing you feel that way too. So I see this summer as boomtown for location-based businesses, people going out everywhere, you know, going to a Yankee game this summer will be amazing to be out there. So I see an explosive marketplace with reduced capacity. I see Boomtown this summer for the businesses that, the location-based businesses that made it through. Do you think I'm crazy? No, not at all. This is, um, I see it already because obviously I'm on the East Coast and I, I see what's going on in Miami. Um, I have seen people get, um, uh, I've seen people get pregnant um, less closer to people than I've seen them in Miami because they have no restrictions. I mean, they're out there just, as I was saying to someone else, I mean, they're tongue kissing, they're tongue kissing strangers on the corner. Um, so, um, and you know, what, when have we seen this before? I know this is going around, but it's the truth. In 1918, after the Spanish flu, came the Roaring Twenties. You know, um, there was a couple of different aspects to it. Number one, all the high-skilled people and not high-skilled people um, created a lot of innovation because they realized they were working on somebody else's dream and that person failed at that dream and maybe I should apply myself uh, personally <coughs> to my dream. So a lot of innovation came out and it wasn't the innovation wasn't moving as fast as technology is moving today. Um, and number two is, yeah, you're going to you're going to value and remember the times that, uh, you know, you, you want to go back to. You got all those dresses and shoes and you want to see people and hug them and finally go out and celebrate. And you're going to value that time so much more than we did last year or two years ago. And number three, you probably either, uh, you know, really became much closer with your family and loved ones and you want to celebrate the times or unfortunately you got divorced or you're single because <laughs> of all the crap going on. I mean, yeah. I'll be very honest. I've been stuck here for eight, nine months. One day the Wi-Fi went out. I got to really get to know my four-year-old and my wife. They're pretty good people. I'm going to hang out with them, I'm gonna hang out with them a couple more times. Yeah. So I think, I think we're really going to have uh, an amazing next five years, 10 years or something like that, but definitely probably five years of just, Let's get it on, you know, and, and hang out and celebrate life. I agree. And I, that should be an inspiration for all those listening who are struggling right now. And I think of all the businesses that have spent all their money sustaining themselves through this dysfunctional market. It's not even disrupted. I sort of call it a dysfunctional market. Uh, uh, sure. And now their resources are strapped and they're at the end. But we have another relief package coming, which is good for many of these small businesses. That PPP plan really does make a difference. I'm sure you agree. It does. So I would say to them, we're so close to the end of this. Boomtown is coming. And what do you think of the uh, uh, um, biggest opportunities uh, uh, for change as a well, result of COVID? And then I'm going to let you go in a minute, David. But I'm curious to hear how you think the marketplace or what you're doing is different based upon COVID. Any strategy well, changes? All, yeah. Uh, listen, um, even though the end may be near, it doesn't mean kind of you hold your breath or you stick your head in the sand and the end will be near and you will come back the same exact way. You have to be digging deep into your inventory right now and adjusting to the time. What And how do you do that? Well, 
you know, whether it is um, right now with COVID, um, something's going to happen again. And I don't care if it's planes crashing into buildings, great recessions, dot-com bubble crashes, presidents assassinated, World War II, something is going to happen again. And if you got the PPP and hopefully you get it again, um, don't think that everything is going to be the same. Do you have a, a, a 7,000 uh, you know, foot imprint and you're keeping the sign up because it's your family sign and family name and you'll wonder how the community is going to look at you if you have to shut the door? Or are you shutting the doors right now and licking your wounds and realizing that you needed a 2,500 uh, 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 imprint as well as a virtual kitchen at the same time and you understand now social media marketing and you're educating yourself on digitally how to get out there as well? Because as you know, John, there's so many people that had to shut their doors and their customers right around the corner. They just had no way to directly communicate with their customer because they didn't change with the times. So these are the things that you have to do as we roll out and get out of this situation. And you have to look at your inventory. Like I said, if something else is going to happen in the world, you don't know how to prepare for it. Well, you can only be in charge of what you have. And what do you have? cash on hand or the lack of cash on hand, time, energy, health, family, a community that you weren't able to tap into before because uh, you were thinking geographically, but now because of Zoom and everything else, you can now digitally uh, have virtual assistants all around the world. People that were veterans like you, people you used to work with in California, but now you're in New York, but now you realize that you they can handle your books. You no longer have to have somebody that you have to pay every day and sit in the office to handle your books. So you have to be able to pivot uh, so pivot your offering to your customer and how you're going to get it directly to them. I like to say you want to be one step away from the money. You don't want just like I, I started out in business. I make a shirt. Maybe Macy's buys the shirt. Maybe the kid with the pimples all over his face brings the shirt out of the back and puts it on a hanger. Maybe a mother sees it. Maybe there's somebody at the register and maybe she takes it home and her kid likes it and maybe she returns it. Who the hell was that lady anyway? I cannot get a hold of her. I want to sell directly to the person. Hey, do you like it in this color? I'm sending it to you. If you don't like it, I'll send it back and I'll send you another one. And so I want to be directly, uh, you know, one step away from the money. So all these things, people have to constantly keep educating themselves on how to get out of this thing and do it the right way. And I think there's unbelievable opportunity to make those changes. The distribution of our country has changed, right? We're not location-based distribution anymore. It's a completely new economy and it's a very exciting. And you think about it, Amazon really started, David, when we, people said, ah, nobody's gonna buy all this stuff from Amazon. Amazon right. created a distribution platform for anybody. And instant yeah. distribution, instant direct contact with consumers. So I think the future, and I know you agree with this, is direct to consumer. But you're bullish, aren't you, buddy? You're sitting there after being locked up for eight months, and you're sort of like I am. You're sort of like a thoroughbred in the starting gate. I I'm, see. I'm ready. Listen, and, and I got to tell you, I made a lot of mistakes here, too. Listen, I shorted the market after it went from 16 up. I said this thing was going back. I shorted the market. Um, so that thing is at 30 now. Will we have to pay the, pr pay the price for it? It may come back. And guess what? I got rid of all my goddamn Bitcoin at $6,000 a coin. Now look at what this thing is at, yeah, right? Yeah. And I thought that, you know what, because I have a nice, uh, you know, place and property and I, I, and I love auctions for some reason, I was like, everybody's going to be auctioning off everything. It's three damn weeks. I got to wait for a toaster and it's two times the amount of money that I wanted to pay for because everybody's buying shit for themselves. So please don't believe that I think that I know everything and I shit out golden eggs. That's not the case. I make mistakes. I make them often. I make them fast and I get the hell over them and I learn from them. So I'm, but I'm still very bullish and, you know, and, and that's just what it is. So I don't mind telling people about my mistakes either.
You know, and that, that, that's what makes you so special is you, you're fearless. You will jump if, if you see that opportunity. And I say this to people all the time, and we say the same thing, Damon. There's only three objectives to marketing, new customers, frequency, and spend. That's all you got. Get them to come, get them to come back more often, get them to spend more. And, and you know, that's, that's, right. that's all we have in marketing. And when you take a look at the things that hold us back, fear is, you know, in my last book, Don't BS Yourself, fear was one of the big excuses that we talked about. You've learned how to put fear aside and jump at opportunity. So the only time fear should exist is when we're standing on the edge of a cliff. Fear is nothing yeah. but calculated risk, and you've become the master of that. You know, Damon, you, you are helping people every day. I look at your social feeds. I look at the marketing plans and the media plans and the things that you offer to people. I see that you're smart. You're developing a list, and I think that's really brilliant. So, so you know, inconsistent with the, the gym operator that we talked about a while ago, you're developing a list where you can develop continued commerce. You're providing a great value to people to get that list, and, and you're, you're providing a really important service right now. So I would encourage everyone to go to Damon John's social media. Where's the one place where they can go and access everything? Is it your website? Absolutely. Yeah. They can go to DamonJohn.com. My name is spelled Damon like Raymond with a D and uh, they can follow me on all social media platforms. Uh, and my name on the social media platforms are the shark Damon. And of course, Every Friday night at 8 p.m., you can see me sitting next to a really, really, really nasty little guy named Kevin O'Leary on ABC Shark Tank. <laughs> so I got a little secret thing to tell you. I'm not sure I'm supposed to say it, but I will. So we're discussing me doing a Shark Tank appearance next season. All right. That would so, be great. So I'd, I'd love to sit yeah, next yeah. to you and do that one day, but that'd be a lot you, of fun. You, I would love it. Yeah. Damon, thank you. You know, uh, what I take away from this is something really powerful. You know, think of that, Jim. Think about what assets you have. What Damon is saying is so powerful. What are your assets and how do you leverage those assets? And how do you create a business around the assets? Now, if that asset is just personal knowledge, that's a heck of an asset. How do you take that That asset as a Rolodex. It could be just a simple Rolodex, too, because, you know, you'd have called half the people you know a year ago. They would have said, I'm on a plane, train, automobile. We're not going that direction. You know where everybody is right now. They're on their couch fighting over the remote control, eating with their significant other, eating a bunch of Cheetos and drinking Tito's and wondering how the hell they're <laughs> going to get out of the house. That's your asset. That is an asset, and it's a powerful asset. So, Damon, thank you, buddy. Uh, I hope everybody goes to da DamonJohn.com. Look at the marketing plans and the templates that Damon is providing. They're really powerful. Follow him. He's a great coach. He's a great source of advice. He's also a great, great guy, and I'm proud to call you my friend, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, brother. I love you. Love you too. Be well. I do. Whew. I love having Damon on. Corey, he's unbelievable. Yeah, he's always he's always on point with everything. He is. So think of the story he told about the gym operator. Yeah. Who didn't understand what he had. And you know, you don't sell hot tubs, you sell the feeling, the experience. You know, in Las Vegas you can go to a nightclub. Not now they're closed, but you can go to a nightclub. And you can buy a bottle of vodka for $2,500 to cost about $80 in a store. It's called bottle service. And when that bottle comes out, this sparkler is attached to it. And, and they walk it through the room. And everybody looks at you. And you got this $10,000 table going. And, I mean, who the hell is going to buy an $80 bottle of vodka for $2,500? <laughs> a lot of people. They're not buying the vodka. They're buying an experience. They're buying the uh. ego. They're buying the gratification. Why does somebody go out and buy a quarter of a million dollar Bentley car? Yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, I've made that. I've done that. Mm -hmm. And you drive away and you say to yourself, is it that much better than a car that could have, I mean, I could have gotten a $100,000 car. Great car. Right. 
and you start to evaluate these types of things and, and you realize that the value equation of life greatly changes in something like COVID. You know, today now people are focused on their homes. They're focused on saving money. They're focused on efficiency. Businesses are exploding in some ways. They're imploding in others. And hearing the story of this gym guy, realizing what is your asset? My asset is a list. What do you sell? My asset is my members. What do you sell? I sell a lifestyle. Well, use your asset, your members, and sell the lifestyle. And to think that he went out, found retailers, and created sales opportunities, engaged his customers, brought the machines to their house so they could have a rental program, this guy completely reinvented his business because he did one thing. He thought about what his assets are. What are your assets? Is it knowledge? Is it energy? Is it some product that you have that you want to create? Is it your Rolodex? Is it your friends? Is it the environment that you're in, the community that you're in? What are your assets? Because when COVID winds down and other assets come to play, yours might be incredibly valuable. So that's what I got out of this interview. So when Damon said, after the flu of 1918 came what? Boomtown. The Roaring Twenties. So are we about to look at our own Roaring Twenties? Post-COVID, but 2020s? That'd be great. That's where I think we're going. So I think this is an amazing opportunity these next few months. Please consider getting your vaccination. Let's make sure that we can move forward as a society. Support your local businesses. Please support your local restaurant. Pick a local restaurant and do an order this week, please, from them. Pick a local bar if you can that's operating. Do an order from them this week. Do something to support your local business and my compliments to my buddy dave portnoy who's still out there doing his thing and i want everybody to know how supportive i am of barstool fund we've written a nice check to barstool fund i never say how much but i will tell you what's a nice check and i'm really supportive of what dave is doing we can jump on the bad wagon send a few bucks to barstool fund if you can support a local restaurant support a local business this week if you can just do one a week guys it'll mean the world if we all do that together and that will conclude our series so you guys ready for my big announcement? So I start production of Bar Rescue oh, in, a, in about three weeks. And because of that, and we did this again, we did do this last year. I'm unable to continue my podcast on a weekly basis as we produce Bar Rescue. So we're going to be moving to a monthly podcast starting in February. And uh, as we're in production, we'll be doing monthly podcasts. And we're going to have a lot of guests. We're going to do a lot of fun stuff. Some of them are going to be from the set of Bar Rescue. And uh, as soon as production ends this cycle which will be about 10 or 12 weeks about three or four months we'll get back to weeklies again for a while or we might stay monthly we'll see how it goes but i'm excited to be going back to bar rescue to production i am amazingly excited to think that i have a couple million dollars in my budget for production that i can go use and help these bars and these restaurants and we're doing it boys so this is going to be a great season of bar rescue it's going to premiere either end of march early april We'll be deep in production starting next week. We'll start shooting in about three weeks or so, and I can't wait to get back to work. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to go to Damon John's website, damonjohn.com. There's a lot of great information there. You can also go to johntaffer.com. There's a lot of great information there. If you'd like to be on a podcast or like me to read a question that you might send, just send us an email. It's easy, podcast at johntaffer.com. And don't forget, click that like button, click that subscribe button, tell your friends, And I'll see you on TV. Bye-bye. Subscribe to the John Tapper Podcast right now for more episodes every Thursday.